Theater people, Patrick here. I just wanted to give a huge thanks to everyone who has supported us via our Patreon page so far. We are obsessed with making this podcast for you, and we are so, so grateful for your willingness to pitch in a few bucks and help make theater people and the other podcasts we're working on, like Broadway Backstory and BroadwayCon the Podcast, the absolute best they can be. If you've been meaning to pledge via our Patreon page, please do take a look and see the really cool rewards we're offering for donating as little as $1 or 3 or $5 per month, including access to our new Facebook group, which we're packing with exclusive videos, like the one of Alex. Ripley bringing down the house with her version of On My Own, you can go to patreon.com and search for Theater People Podcast, or you can go to our website where there is a link on the main page. Second, as many of you know, our brand new podcast, Broadway Backstory, launches tomorrow. Each episode of Broadway Backstory finds out how a show develops from an idea to a full Broadway production, and we get the stories from the people who lived it. Our first two episodes tell the incredible true backstory of the Tony winning In the Heights. The episode includes interviews with Lin-Manuel Miranda, director Tommy Kale, orchestrator Alex Lacamoire, producers Kevin McCollum and Jill Furman, and so many more. We'll be dropping the first 20 minutes of episode one right here on Theater People tomorrow morning at 7 a.m., But you can bypass theater people completely and subscribe to Broadway Backstory right now to get the first two full episodes as soon as they go online tomorrow. It takes just a second to find Broadway Backstory on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any place else that podcasts live and hit the subscribe button. And I would be so grateful if you did that. I love you, theater people. Okay, now to the show. Who said music has to cheer people up? I say it. Welcome to the Theater People Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Hines. You guys, I developed an instant crush on today's guest, falsetto star Brandon Uranowitz, the minute I met him for this interview. He's charming, funny, has a gorgeous head of curly hair, and really knows how to tell a story. Brandon made his Broadway debut in 2011's Baby It's You. He earned a Tony nomination for his turn as Adam Hochberg in last year's American in Paris. And he can currently be seen eight times a week as Mendel in James Lapine and William Finn's gorgeous and heartbreaking falsettos. I just love talking to this guy. Here's our conversation. In that little slip of time, the three of us became the three musketeers. All right, let's talk about falsettos. Let's talk about falsettos. I mean, first of all, congratulations. Thank you. How did you get the job? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, I like it when they start to cry before they even start to answer the question. (laughs) (laughs) This one was a tough one to get, but I fought real hard for it. Really? Yeah. I I like to say, I mean, this is true, so it's just a fact, but I kind of went in once a month for auditions um, from like... February through June. Wow. <laughs> of this year. And the first um, one was just like your agent called and was like, they're seeing people. Well, I had, when I heard that they were thinking about doing this, which they, I think they had made mention of it like over a year yeah, ago. Yeah, it'd been, it's been, a, it's been talked, I'd been talked about. Yeah, right? it'd been, yeah. had been talked about for a while. And as soon as they talked about it, I called my agent and I was like, I, I have to be seen for falsettos. It's been a dream of mine as a kid. Like, I don't wow. you know what I mean. I, I mean, Falsettos is just kind of one of those shows. I've said this before, but it's been it's one of those shows that I would like absolutely do for free in a basement somewhere <laughs> in like Nebraska. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, thank God, American in, ha- in Paris happened because 
I believe James Lapine saw me in that oh. and enjoyed my work and was interested in bringing me in for Mendel, even though he did think that I was a little young for it. You look older on stage. You I, I get that do. a lot. I, when I, I saw, I didn't. Lot. I did not think it was you when you got off the elevator just now. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I love that. <laughs> yeah. I like. You know. I mean, it's not me up there. So I like <laughs> right. to. You know. I like to fool people. Yeah. Wait. So I'm so curious. So you go in, and the first time is it for James, or is it what is it for? It was for everybody. Like James was there. Bill was there. Wow. Tara Rubin and casting was there. They were all lovely the whole time. But I think they did have some questions about age, considering. Where, you know, they had already cast Christian and Andrew and Stephanie. Like, they had been announced and everything. Yeah. Um, so I think that was a little bit of an issue for them. Um, when did it get serious? When were you like, oh, my God, I have a real shot at this? Um, I went in for a final callback. And I was like, oh, this is fun. I I was there with a handful of guys, like maybe three or four or five guys, I don't know, who were all... A lot older than I, not a lot older, just older than I am. Um, they're listening. They're like, you bastard. Yeah. <laughs> so Nick, you look great, guys. Um, no. And so I was like, okay, cool. I'll be like the young option if they decide to go in that direction. And after my final callback, the feedback we kept getting was like, um, we're not really sure yet. We haven't cast it yet. He's still in the mix. And then it was that way. And then it seemed like it wasn't going to go my way. And then I didn't hear anything for like a month. And I was like, well, I must not have get, gotten it. And I like, luckily I was in American in Paris. I had a job that I loved. Yeah. And so it was, uh, I didn't mourn it that much, but it was, it was sad. And then like a month later, casting contacted my agents and said that they were still casting Mendel. Am I still interested? And I was like, no. <laughs> On second thought. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I'm, I've let that go. Yeah. No. Uh, and so I went back in and then. They asked me to come in and read with some of the boys that they were thinking of for playing Jason. Uh, that went well. And then they brought me back in again to read with Stephanie. And that went well. And I think that was what wow. my read with Stephanie, I think, is what sort of clinched the deal for me. Did you know it was her? It a really long process. Wow. Um, no, I had never met her. How? But we, like, you... um, literally immediately fell in love. Like, as soon as we, I walked in the room, like, we just... I mean, I I don't know how to how to ask this question the right way because you are a Tony nominee, you are like a Broadway star, but like Stephanie Block's well, been around a long time, and like she's like you know like she's Stephanie Block. Like did, when you walked into the room, were you, you are like, you asking me if I was like so nervous I wanted to like poop? that? That is yeah. what I'm asking. Um, <laughs> you know, I was because I've like you know, I mean I think a most people who know Broadway, but like more specifically most. Gay men on Broadway, like, worship Stephanie Vlock. So I've worshipped her forever. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, like, Max von Essen and I would sing Get Out and Stay Out, like, <laughs> on our floor at the Palace, like, at least once a week, probably. Um, so, yes, on some level, yes. But on, uh, on the flip side, uh, this process had been so protracted and elongated for me that I was sort of like ready for anything at this point. Yeah. And I want, I still, I knew that it was so close and I was fighting so hard for it. And I knew Mendel, I knew who he was, or I, you know, I, I learned in the rehearsal process more about who he was, but I, in my mind, I knew who he was. I knew what this material was. I felt confident in the material. And so I was just like kind of excited to go in there and play. 
Yeah. But yeah, I mean, as soon as like she, I was walking down the hallway at Lincoln Center to audition and she like peeked her head across the door. I was like, okay, (laughs) yeah, here we go. All right, we're going to do this. And then we did Making a Home and it was so much fun. And she was just like. I, I I would be like hard pressed to believe that I, there will be a more generous human being that I'll ever work with. Yeah, on stage and off stage, like I I just we also had a slumber party last night. So. You did? Me and Stephanie. Did Mark. you sleep at her house? I did. What do you do at a slumber party with Stephanie J. Block? We braid each other's hair, of course. Um, well, obviously, I had to take a tour of her home. Oh my god, where does she is live? Beautiful. Like, which, which ish neighborhood? New Jersey. Oh, she lives in New Jersey. She, she lives in Jersey. Yeah. Why did you have with a sleepover? Her- well, her her husband and her daughter went to go visit his family down in Florida, and she's like, you know, I've never been like alone in my house before, and like I just want to. And so I was like, I mean, can I come like sleep over and like keep you company and like make sure that you're safe and protected? And she's like, I would love that. And so we did. That is okay. This interview is so, officially like, over. Dreams, That's the most amazing dreams come true. <laughs> Dreams come true, you guys. Keep dreaming. One day you'll be lip syncing to get out and stay out in the shower, and the next day you'll be sleeping in Stephanie J. Block's guest room, just like wondering how you got there. Dreams really do come true. They do. I mean, that's amazing. Okay, last question about your audition process. Okay. Was James Lapine really hard to audition? Betsy Wolf once told us the most horrifying story, but like they're friends, so it's fine. She just said that she started to sing a song. And James, she had already worked with him once. And this was her audition for uh, Merrily We Roll Along at City Center. Sure. And she started to sing. I don't remember what the song was, but like he literally stopped and said, I hate that song. <laughs> and then he, but then he made her sing it. Yeah, he's, um, he's a tough one. Is he's he? He's tough. Yeah. But an enormous heart. There's like a soft, mushy, cuddly guy under that, that, um, you know, tough veneer. Yeah. But he gets amazing things out of his actors. Like, unbelievably amazing things out of his actors. I mean, he was really tough on me. Was he really? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, you know, I am I was the... It wasn't all, like, sunshine and rainbows every day at rehearsal. Not that it was cruel or mean. It was, it was challenging. And he challenged me. Can you and take like, us inside that a little bit? Sure. Um... You know, it, I, I think it was a it was a, a mixture, like you know, myriad things. I think it was a lot to do with the fact that I was, besides you know, the kid playing Jason, I was the youngest one in the room. I think I've I'm relatively speaking the freshest on the scene, um, doing really complicated, um, deep material that requires. Um, real honesty and truth and authenticity and humor and pathos and all of that stuff. And he just kind of challenged me to be better. Yeah. And discover things. And, you know, he's not the kind of person that, um, he's not one of those directors that, that you work with on like, let's say like a big musical um, where you've got 30 people in the cast, where it has to be, you go here, you do this, you say that, like that kind of, no, not like line readings, but you know, a lot of directors yeah. just work in a very, like by the book, by the numbers kind of way, just to get it on uh, up and ready to go. This was not like that. It was all about us discovering it for ourselves and him just finessing and focusing it. And I think at the beginning, I was a little... Timid. I was probably more timid than he had patience for. Uh huh. 
because, you know, Stephanie Block is Stephanie Block, Christian Borrell is Christian Borrell, and Andrew Rannells is Andrew Rannells, and they they have the confidence and the and the talent and they, everything that they they feel they can back up with a sense of pride and, and confidence. And I'm still, you know, I, I, I do get the sense that people think because I have a Tony nomination that I like, you know, am super confident and in what I do, but I still um, doubt myself pretty regularly. Yeah. And I think he could sense that. And he's a very, he's a genius man. Yeah. And he understands people very well. And um, he just could sense that I was not, I was like dipping my toes in while the rest of them were just like diving in head first. And he wasn't going to like sugarcoat it. He wasn't going to coddle me into diving in. He was challenging me to jump in. Um, and I think I, f- I finally did. I think he's, I hope he's like proud of what I'm doing. I think he is. Um, but I'm glad that he did because he definitely made me better. Yeah. I wanted I wanted to ask you about the the process with him and with Bill Finn because I'm curious about because they are so intimately I mean it's their show. Yeah. And it has already existed in an incarnation that they created yeah. and now they're doing it again. I, I'm curious if from your perspective if they took a if they were taking a fresh start or were there a lot of conversation about like well the first time we did it we did it like I mean how was that process? Um I mean, the very, very first day of rehearsal, we all sat, you know, in a circle, just the cast and them and Andre Bishop and Ira Weitzman from Lincoln Center, who were also part of the, like, you know, genesis of this show at Playwrights Horizons back in the 70s and 80s. Um, they, they, they sat us all down just to give us a history of the show and where it came from and what the process was like and, you know, how they built the show and, and you know, how... You know, Bill would go off and write a song and then they would come in and work on it. And then James would be like, no, we need this moment needs a song here. And then then Bill would go off and write it and all that stuff. And so I think it was important for them that we understood the history. But it sort of ended there. After that, it was all about what it was today with us. You know, I mean, for me personally, I just knew that I would never be able to be Chip Zion. I knew that I would never be able to do what he did or does. And it was very important to me, and I think it was important to everybody, that we take this material and make it about who we who we are and what we bring to the table, what Stephanie brings to Trina instead of Barbara Walsh or Allison Frazier and what Christian brings to the table that's not, you know, Michael Rupert. And that was scary for all of us. I think our biggest fear for all of us this entire time was disappointing the people who find this sacred and find those performances sacred. But there was never any pressure from Bill or James to mimic what they did. And James repeated often that, you know, when they wrote this, they were, you know, I think they wrote I think Bill was like 27 when he wrote this. Yeah. He's, you know. Yeah. And they're older, they have their 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 histories behind them and so they're looking at this piece through a totally different filter and a different lens. And I think that was really important. I mean, I think it w- if it was anything else if if it did become about trying to be as close to the original as possible, we would have gotten ourselves into a lot of trouble. Yeah. 
Well, on that on that note, I <laughs> noticed last night at the show that the line for the men's room snakes down the stairs and into the orchestra pit. It is so many men, yeah. and it is so many older gay men, yeah. you know? And I was thinking as I was sitting there sobbing next to my husband, like, mm-hmm. there is something about... You know, I see... I go to so much theater, and it's it's rare that I have that moment of, like... Oh my goodness, I'm one person in this room of like a thousand people and a lot of us are sobbing together watching this thing. And I'm curious what fe- what you're hearing from people. Are you are you meeting people after the show and what are they saying? Yeah, I I mean this show is like uh the what they're saying is what they're not saying. Uh-huh. What they're saying is that they really can't process it and that they're I, a lot of the feedback has been I I don't know how to I don't have words right now because not because it's the most amazing thing they've ever seen, but because the show takes you on a really unexpected emotional journey that you're not expecting to go on. It it, it doesn't take a formulaic route. And I think it surprises people and it creeps up on people and they're not expecting to. I mean, there are people I mean, it's not just like a tear drip dripping down your face like. There are people sobbing in yeah. the audience. Oh, yeah. And yeah. because it's it's also what I love about this show of a certain time and a certain period and an era that has healed for a lot of people. But I do think that seeing this show and because, you know, it's 2016, it takes place in 1979 and 1981, you know, and it was written at, you know, the kind of the height of the AIDS crisis. Yeah. And... While many people have healed from that and from the devastation and the loss, I think this show very stealthily opens up those wounds a little bit for people, and it brings them back to a time when they lost a lot of friends. And for those, and w- what's remarkable to me, and what has been the best feedback for me personally, because I didn't live through that. Um, however. Growing up in a fairly like conservative town in New Jersey as a closeted gay guy, I, I think it's a very important history to tell. So to see all of the younger people responding just as effusively as the older audience is like the best feedback to me because that means that we're doing our job and telling a history that is truthful enough to af- affect everybody. I wanted to ask you about something fun that happened. Yeah. Um, and I have to I have to look at my paper so I can get her name right. But you guys had one of your understudies went on. <gasps> um, uh, this was like a remarkable... What is her name? Why can't Stephanie I- Umo? Stephanie Umo, right. Yeah. Will you tell what happened? First Black Trina. I know! I know. Um, okay. So... <laughs> I wasn't there for her first performance because I was also very ill. Did you guys all get sick at the same time? Kind of. Yeah. Thankfully, luckily, Christian and Andrew are like supermen. Yeah. And like literally didn't, I mean, you know, they haven't missed a show yet, knock on wood. Um, But yeah, I got really sick. uh, And this is actually, this was the first time that I've ever gotten sick enough that I like there was just no way I could do the show like in American in Paris I did I spoke most of the time I had a few songs that lived in a pretty low manageable range um falsettos is extremely rangy and entirely you never speak right yeah and so that that was um really scary for me because we were in the middle of previews and it just like latched right onto my cords oh. and I I couldn't do it so I, I have anxiety out. for you right yeah now. it was like it was a nightmare um, how many shows did you miss three um, right decision 
Yes. Yeah. And everybody was really supportive. You know, everybody at Lincoln Center and Jordan and, and James and Bill were, were all very nice and told me, you know, you know, that you we've got you covered. Everything is fine. Like, let's just take what the time you need to get better because we need you to be strong and ready. For Important it. to note, though, like your understudies don't aren't really necessarily suppo- like they don't know their stuff necessarily until once you guys open. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I I mean, luckily we have the most remarkable understudies I've ever seen. I mean, they are so on top of their stuff. Yeah, and just pros, just like and unbelievably talented. For the men, it's Tally and Colin, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Colin Hanlon yeah. and Tally Sessions, and then for the women, we've got Courtney Ballin and right. Stephanie Umo. So this I story. got sick, Stephanie. Jay Block got sick, and Stephanie's understudy, Courtney, got sick. So Stephanie had to call out of one show by a doctor's recommendation, um, doctor's orders, and Courtney went on, but she was, like, really – she pushed through it when she probably shouldn't have. Um, And the next day, just no voice, couldn't do it. But, you know, the show must go on, and – the thing with our understudies is that they all cover, you know, the two women cover all of the women yeah. and the two men cover all of the men. But I think it was sort of understood that that Courtney would would be covering Stephanie. Courtney's also, you know, a Jewish woman. Yeah. And, and <laughs> um, you know, Stephanie Umo is African-American. And so the, the day that Courtney was out and Stephanie was out, they contacted Stephanie Umo and I. I don't really know exactly how it went down, but she ended up going on. They gave Andre from Lincoln Center gave a curtain speech at the beginning of the show. What did he say? I don't know. I wasn't there. I was sick that day. <laughs> <laughs> that was. I was also out that day. You know, I think it was just kind of it's it's flu season, and we are in the middle of previews, and you know, basically like, you know, a nicer version of shit happens. Yeah. And um, <laughs> uh, we've got Stephanie and she will have script pages in her hands. And so she did it the entire show. They made it through the entire show. She did it with script pages in her hands. Sang all the songs. Sang all the songs. Everything. That is unbelievable. Unreal. I didn't understand what that was until I saw your show. I don't know how you... It, this is not book work, people. This is like... Song after it's an song opera, after basically. it it's is an, an opera, opera. and and what, what that character has to do is unreal. Like I I can't even imagine. <clears throat> no, Trina is like uh, one of probably one of the hardest written, fe- you know, like leading female characters in like contemporary musical theater. I would think. I mean, she, it's nonstop singing, and she's on stage basically the whole time, and she did it. I and mean, she did it. She did it like three or four times. Did she? Uh, was she on book the whole, like all of those performances? I mean, they they slowly sort of like yeah thinned out. But yeah, I mean, for the most, it's just it, there are so many lyrics. Yeah, there yeah. are so many lyrics. Well, we have to get to this incredible story that I read about you that on the day of the Tony nominations oh, for um, American in Paris that year, you were asleep. I was dead asleep. How? Why, you just didn't? Did you? Would, did well, you, because here's the thing, I. I just, I'm still at this point where I just like kind of show up to work, do my thing and don't really like expect anything out of it. I just (laughs) like want to do my best. And specifically with American in Paris, I just kind of, uh, 
you know, it's like when you're doing like a revival of something, I mean, this is, it's different for falsettos because they have a, a totally different history. But the, when you're doing like a revival of something, you kind of know that like this role is like a Tony worthy role, yeah, you know, like if you're going to do company, yeah. you know that like if you're playing Bobby, <laughs> there's a good chance you're going to get nominated for a Tony if you do a good job. Totally. Um, same with Gypsy or something. You know what I mean? American in Paris was new. Um, it was, we were still, it was still like in flux, you know, even though we did a, a, a workshop and an out of town and, you know, my part was still mutating and evolving and it just kind of like never really crossed my mind. And on top of that, to be honest, the, you know, the drama desks came out and the outer critic circle awards came out, the nominations came out and I wasn't on any of the lists. So I was like, all right, this is like not my year. I was, you know, I had, of course, everybody, whenever you're like originating a role or you're, yeah. you know, opening in a Tony season, like you, you hope you will. But I, and I knew, and I sort of knew that Robbie and Leanne and Max would, and I knew that the show would, and I knew Chris would for his choreography, and I knew Bob would for his designs. Like I knew that the show was going to get recognized that because they, they were also on all the other lists. Yeah. And yeah. I was not there. And even though I was really excited for everybody, and I was really excited to be part of something that was getting such recognition. I was like, I do know that if I wake up and like watch the Tony Award announcement, like nomination announcements, I will be excited, but I know it's going to sting a little bit. So I'm going to go home to my parents' house and be in a safe space. <laughs> and I went there with my boyfriend and our, and our dog, and I turned my phone off, and I was dead asleep, and... I guess it was at like nine o'clock, nine fifteen ish. I heard my mom scream downstairs and then they both came running upstairs and like barreled into my room and said you were nominated for a Tony and I they were on the phone with my best friend Molly Hager, <laughs> who had been trying to call me, but my phone was on silent. And so they, she called my mom and told her because none of us were watching it. None of us had any, any weren't expecting that at all. But now that that happened that way, like I wouldn't have it any other way. That's so amazing. Get that my Uh, before we sign off here, will you tell us your Katie Holmes shopping spree story? <laughs> where did you hear about that? I'll do my research. I have to know where you heard that. <laughs> Who did you talk to? There was, it was some article I read about you somewhere. Um, yeah, basically like my very first job outside, out of college. Um, or was it my senior year of college? I think I was still in, anyway, whatever. Oh, you were out of, you were in college. Yeah. Yeah. At NYU, yeah, and I was working at Barney's, um, just like helping entitled rich white women. You like, started as live a their lives. attendant in the dressing room, and you became a salesperson. Wow! I basically hired a private investigator. Oh my god! Like you really <laughs> did. Now I'm like a little nervous. And one day I was opening the store with you know the my manager and like another sales associate, and there was like this big SUV sitting outside the store and like some dude comes up and this was like deep in like Tom Cruise craziness. 
like crazy. Which world. I can't even I imagine. Don't, like, don't even get me started. Yeah. <laughs> um, but and she and he was like, "Hey, do you guys want to like open up early? I got Katie Holmes in my backseat." And I was like, "Wait, <laughs> seriously? Like, what do you mean? Like, let me get my manager. <laughs> let me get my manager." And he was like, "I was like, are you serious?" And he's like, "No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's back there." And I was like, "This is creepy." <laughs> and it was her. And we opened the store early, and she. Didn't try a damn thing on, just like like a weird mannequin, <laughs> just kind of like. For the record, that will be the title of my autobiography. Like a weird mannequin, yes. yeah, like a weird mannequin, just kind of very slowly inched from like rack to rack, just pulling things, um, and you know, like a you know a simple like thank you so much would suffice like a normal person, but she had a bunch of stuff in her hands and I was like, do you want me to put this in a, in a fitting room for you? Or do you want me to put this by the cash register? Like whatever. She looked me dead in the eyes. Like, like but dead, like putting the dead like, and dead in the but eyes. But like putting like for real dead in the eyes because like Tom, you De- know, like, like literally dead in the eyes. She's a human. But I think she got it back. Like if you look in her eyes now, I think there's life there again. Yeah. Thank God she escaped. <laughs> but um, wait, what did she say? She looked me dead in the eyes and she was like, in a really creepy voice, just went, thank you so much for your assistance today. I really appreciate it. (laughs) And I was like, oh, sure. No problem. And then she spent like $14,000. And I was like, cool. I can like pay my rent and eat for the month now. So thank you. (laughs) But like, (laughs) it was really creepy. Like she looked at me like she was like, as she was saying it, like, my brain was burning out of my skull. You know what I mean? <laughs> because she was Morse coding you with the eyes, like, save me, save like, me, literally save me. Literally, her S-O-S. subtext was help. <laughs> yeah. Brandon Uranowitz, I'm obsessed with you. I'm obsessed Love with your you hair. Too. Thank you for Thank doing you. this. Oh, my God. Thanks for having me. Will you come back? Of course. Back. And we won't talk about anything theater. We'll just talk about, like, your childhood. We can talk about theater things, too. All right, cool. Like, whatever. I, I mean, it is called theater people. That is... You know the name of this podcast. I do. There are so many people who sit in that chair and they don't, they can't. They're like, what is this? All right, you're well, amazing. thank you. You're amazing. Okay. Thanks for having me. Bye, you guys. Hey, theater people. Just a reminder that you can support theater people and the other podcasts we're creating at patreon.com, where you can pledge a dollar or three dollars or more and get really cool rewards for doing so. You can find a link to our Patreon page at our website, theaterpeople.com, which of course is theater with an E-R-P-P-L.com. And don't forget to subscribe to our new podcast, Broadway Backstory, which premieres tomorrow with two episodes that tell the amazing true backstory of the Tony winning In the Heights. Theater People is a product of Theater Podcast Productions and is produced by Mike Jensen and me, Patrick Hines. I edited this episode. Special thanks to our sponsor, Today Ticks. You can download their app in Google Play or the App Store and use the code THEATERPEOPLE at checkout to save 20 bucks on your first purchase. That code, of course, is theater with an E-R-P-P-L. Special thanks also to Steve Tipton, Bradley Behan, Eric Emsch, Keith Allen Herzog, Ricky Condos, Ellen Marsh, and the staff at Oswald's. We'll be back in two weeks with Tony nominee Emily Skinner. Until then, tell your friends about us. Let's get the theater community talking. Oh,